had a tabernacle and a temple and a building, the New Testament has a person, a body, and stones that aren't in the ground but are alive that make up a building that uh, the Lord is building. Um, you know, the world is crazy. It's, it's insane. And um, we have brothers and sisters all over the world, um, in particular in the Middle East, but not just there, that are going through some really hellish, hellish times. Um, um, I'm sure you're familiar with, was it 21 Coptic Egyptian Christians that were beheaded all at the same time? And so, um, and that's, uh, it's just insane. It's just insane. And um, uh, those people were killed because they are Christian. That's why they were killed. Um, and I, I just, I just, I just wonder, like, like what would happen in the world if. If Christians, people who claim to be Christians, kill 21 Muslims like that, what would happen? You know, it, it, I just think that it would be, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just strange. It's strange. But, um, uh, you know, we have to remember those who are suffering for the gospel's sake. We have to remember them, and we have to pray for them. So. Would somebody like to say uh, say a prayer uh, this evening for uh, just persecuted church? You know what? And they're all over. But um, if somebody could do that, we would appreciate that. Okay? And uh, if a couple do, that's fine too. So let's just, um, I'll start off and then someone else can pick up and we'll just sort of spend a little bit of time praying for those who are suffering. And Lord, we do pray for those uh, people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, in you. We may not know their names. We may not know their language or their culture. Or their country, but you do, and Lord, we know that um, uh, that that the, perhaps the greatest death that one could die is to die for you, or to lay their lives down for another. And so, Lord, we just lift up those who are perishing all over the world, and that's just the ones we know about. And Lord, we ask that you would strengthen your body around the world, that as the enemy comes in like a flood, that, Lord, you lift up a standard against him, and that, Lord, that freedom and righteousness would reign in these nations, and the Lord, you would defeat the enemy. Um, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and rulers and principalities and high places, and that there's a spiritual war that's going on before there's a physical war that happens. And, Lord, we ask you to uh, strengthen your people and to give them the endurance that they need to stand strong. Uh, during these difficult, difficult times. Lord, it is only by your grace and your your mercy and your strength that they can. And so we lift them up to you, God. You know the names. You know the families that are being torn apart. You know the things that people are seeing, having to having to witness, and then alive to, to think about it every night and to try to sleep. Lord, you're, you're the only one who can heal those wounds, Lord. You're the great physician. Lord, heal your people.
we, we, we can't get to this point now where we're saying, okay, we're just going to wait for heaven. Okay, this, this world is, is, is going in a handbasket, so, so we're just going to wait for, for heaven. You know, we're, we're already. But you know what? There's a battle that's taking place right now, and we as a church, we need to be a part of that battle. There are things happening now, and, and I don't think it's by any coincidence that those beheadings were, were public. You know, there's so many things have happened that's been secret, and we hear about it now and then, but things are happening now that we see, and we can't call it anything else other than attack upon the Word of God to believe who we, who we are. And we're going to have to get stronger. We're going to have to start flexing some muscles that we've not used in a while, and we can't do it unless we know God's Word, unless we know what His plan and purpose is. Okay? We need to know that the battle's already been won. That the, he said the battle is his, but we need to be a part of it right now. And that means giving that hope into a world that's right now that has no hope. I mean, unbelievers are seeing what's happening. So as a church, we, we, we're going to have to get up and move. We're going to have to do some stirring. And, for, and it's uncomfortable. I know for me it is uncomfortable. But it's needed. It's necessary. Something has to happen. Anything else? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Yeah? Wow. Um, I want to review just a little bit of what we talked about last week. We talked about the word life. Life. And um, we, understood, we understood that that word doesn't mean liver function, brain function, kidney function, because all that is a part of life, right? Heart function, cardiovascular, all that. But uh, it's, it's more than just that. It has to do with the vitality of life. Uh, Jesus said, um, uh, I have come that you may have life. And that word is zoe. It doesn't mean I have come that you will breathe and function phys physiologically, but it means that I have come that you will have an abundance of life, and, uh, that life abundantly. And so um, 
Let me just give you a report since you're Wednesday night. You get to hear it first. Um, they had uh, Monday early afternoon a, a, the funeral for Coach Tarkanian. And for those of you who are not sports fans, bear with me. Um, you knew that when you married me, you know. And uh, uh, it, the, it was at a Catholic church, and there were probably, uh, I understand there were 1,200 seats in the church, and there had to be about 13, 1,400 people there. And that's just friends and family and people who found out about it and showed up. <laughs> it was not like they were asking for invitations at the door. So um, it was uh, the best part about it was seeing all the former players that showed up. And they actually had seats for us, left side and front. And that was really kind of cool because we all kind of got to sit together. Of course, some brothers showed up late, so they had to scatter and sit other places. And we tried to tell people as much as possible to get there early and and, I mean, I got there 30 minutes early, and I got one of the last covered parking spots. That's, that's how kind of crazy it was. Um, so that was, that was the best part of it. Um, I, I would have to say that, that um, the gospel did not go forth clearly, and it just drove me crazy. And by that I mean... It was an amazing, I thought, an amazing opportunity to tell the people the truth about Jesus. Because here's the thing about Coach Tarkanian. Um, and most people believe that because you're a good person and because you do something good, then you're probably in heaven. I just think the over I just think that almost everyone believes that. I hear that all the time. And and so most people will believe that Coach Tarkanian is in heaven, if they believe in a heaven, they will believe that he's there because he really helped a lot of people and he did a lot of good stuff. But you know what? That doesn't mean anything. Not one thing. That will not get you into heaven. But people don't understand that because we we sort of make our own rules, we do, as what it takes. If there is a heaven, I'll just determine for myself how I get there. But we don't get to do that. And so it was an opportunity that, you know, uh, uh, and I'm not, you know, bagging on the Catholic Church. I grew up Catholic, but you know, the the rituals and and all of the all of the the words and everything that was spoken, it just was lifeless. Uh, there was a little time where one of the priests spoke, and you know that was nice. Uh, and I'm not the judge, and God can do anything He wants to do, even within the Catholic Church as well, because there are people that God can move on their hearts. And, you know, it doesn't have to go the prescribed way that anybody thinks that it does. It doesn't have to go my way. It, 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 it's God's able to speak to people any place, in any situation, through any circumstance, any way that he wants to. And so so that's the flip side of it. It's all up to God anyway. Uh, for sure, though, there were some really good God conversations that happened, some uh, uh, really good um, connections with people. And uh, so I'm sure that, that a lot more, by God's grace and mercy, a lot more of that will be happening. Um, Coach's son, Danny, and, and his wife, Lois, spoke. And I tell you what, Danny's speech was just absolutely fantastic. It was so cool what he had to say. And the players were sitting kind of in the front stage right. And it's funny because Danny was trying to, and the, and the, the podium was kind of strange. It was kind of off at an angle, like on a corner. Uh, at this church, and so it wasn't like in the middle. That's where the altar is, and that's where all the, 
you know, all the stuff happens, right? You know, the altar, you know. I have two funny stories. So, so Danny's sharing, and he's talking, and, and, and he kept, and he, and, he, and he would look at the players, and we took up about four rows. And, man, we're cracking up, we're, and everybody is too, but we're really laughing because he's sharing stories that we all know about and that we've all experienced. You know, like things that Coach Tarkanian used to say, like he'd say, and every player who's ever played for him has heard this multiple times, and so it's really funny for us because we've all heard it. He would say that, uh, and this was always at practice, never in a game. He goes, you guys are so bad, and you're practicing so bad, when you go to pick up your scholarship check next week, you ought to take a gun and a mask because you're robbing the university. <laughs> and we're, we're just we're laughing like crazy. And so, so you, know, you know, when you're on scholarship, you know, they, they say, you know, Y'all ought to be paying for your school, you know. But um, so we're laughing and just, just joking. We're having a great time. It, it, it's, it's fun. And then, and then now, <clears throat> not everybody in the place is Catholic. And a lot, of the, a lot of the former players that were sitting with me weren't Catholic either. And so they had communion. And, I, and I'm thinking, how are they going to pull this off? Communion with like 1,500 people? Boy, they... They did their best because they probably figured not everybody was would do it. So, so we're so so like one uh, uh, one of the players, former players, is sitting next to me, Eldridge Hudson. I'll just say, and Eldridge, and so the pri- the priest, the, the, there's a big altar, and they got the elements right, and they blessed it and done all their stuff, you know, and um and and so they they're at different little stations, and so one of the priests walks up, and he walks kind of in front of all the former players, and he goes like this, he goes. You know, <laughs> and, and everybody's like, <laughs> Elders looks at me, and he, he says, Rich, I go, I ain't doing it, man. He goes, neither am I. <laughs> no disrespect, but I just, I just, that's just not my, my, my way of communion, and, and I know that they believe that's the actual body and blood of Christ, and I just can't go there, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be disrespectful, because it wasn't really I don't think they expected everyone to partake of communion, but it was funny. He looks at me like, "Is this okay?" Oh, no, I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. But you know, you no, no. I'm not, if you're not, I'm not. I'm like, okay, you know. Uh, it was it was kind of funny. Anyway, that's my that's my funny funeral story from from his his thing. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so in the Bible, the word life, and um. We get our word, English word, zoo, zoo, zoo or zoology from that word, um, zoe. And it, it's life that's real or genuine. It is life that's active and vigorous. In the Christian context, it's a life that's devoted to God, that's blessed in, in every portion, even in this world, uh, in this world of those who put their trust and faith in Christ. Uh, but not only in this world is the Lord going to bless, but also, and we'll talk about this, Lord willing, next week, everlasting life. So we've talked about what it is to have life in Christ. He who has the Son has life. Um, for whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. And that's speaking of life to come, but there's also a life that we have right now. We have resurrected life right now. And so we try to live in that dimension. 
um, it's life in the absolute sense. It's God's life, that which the Father has in himself. That life, the life of God, if you could say that, and I don't think beginning or end, but the life of God um, is the life that he gave to the Son, Jesus. So the life of God, the Zoe of God, is in Christ because they are one. John 5:26 says, The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. Okay? And so Jesus is the source and cause of all life. A couple of scripture verses. I need your help. I need someone to look up John uh, chapter 1, verse 4. Who will do that? Show me a hand. John 1, 4. Okay, you got it, bro. And then someone else, John 5, 26. John 5, 26. Who will look that up? Okay, you got it. John 5, 39. John 5, 39. Going once, going twice, some, someone else. Miss Melba, thank you. Uh, 539. John 1125. All right. And then John 1250. 1250. So, 539. Okay. Jesus is the source of all life, the cause, if you would, of all life. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing was made without him. Okay, John 1, 4, go ahead and read that. Sorry, bro. <laughs> okay, Jesus gave life to everything that was created. Okay, right? So he's the source of all life. John 5, 26. That same life giving power to his son. John 5.39. Okay, eternal life. They were looking in the scriptures for eternal life, and Jesus said, those scriptures speak of me, the giver, and, the author and giver of life. 1250 okay the source of life is Jesus we have to we have to understand this in a world that believes there are multiple ways to get to heaven in a world that believes if you're a great basketball coach you'll get to heaven because you helped a lot of people and granted coach Tarkanian helped a lot of people he did but he was really about winning and losing, <laughs> you know? I mean, if, if you could play, great. He'll give you a shot. He'll help you. And even if you couldn't, there were some cats that he helped along the way. There, I mean, he just was. He was just like that. He had this amazing ability to connect, in particular, with inner-city kids. Not just kids who grew up in the inner city who weren't gangbangers, but kids who just, you know, just happened to grow up on the other side of the tracks. Like, they weren't bad kids. They weren't kids that were in trouble. Most of the, a lot of the players he got were running from the gangs. And so basketball became a safe place for them. And for a lot of them, they didn't end up in gangs and, get, and, and end up dead or whatever because they were recognized because of basketball. 
But then there were some of those cats that were on the other side of that that he tried to help too. Okay, but that's not going to get you into heaven because the source of all life is Jesus. And the source of eternal life is Jesus. It's not anyone else. There's no other religious figure. There, 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 there can't be multiple roads to heaven. Like, you know, we I believe all roads lead to heaven. That, that's illogical because they con- if, if two beliefs contradict one another, they can't both be true. If Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody gets to God but through him, then you can't get there any other way, or else there's, one of them is true and one. They can't both be true. They can't be. Okay? All right. So that life, which is in Jesus, is the source and the cause of all life, and that life was manifested in the world, if you were with us on Sunday two weeks ago. Um, 1 John, 1, 11, 1, uh, 1 John 1, 1 says, We proclaim to you, the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have seen and heard. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. And then in chapter uh, 1, verse 2, this is who is life. Uh, this one who is life itself was revealed to us. We have seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Now, here's our key scripture for tonight. Write this down, Colossians 3, 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. He is said to be the life of the believer, Jesus is. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Christ, who is your life. Not your breath and your liver function and your kidney function, but, but, but the, the totality of who you are. Christ is your life. And so the life that Christ gives, he maintains as well. John 6.35 says this, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Why? Because he is the source of life, and he's the one who maintains that life. John 6, 63, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, Jesus says. Okay, so here's the problem. Death came through sin. Death came through sin. Romans five twelve says, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin and thus sin spread to all men because all have sinned. Okay, that, that makes sense, right? Because of Adam's, really, it doesn't say Adam and Eve, because of Adam's sin, uh, death entered the world. And because he was the original father of us all, it spread to all men. Because we all have a sinful nature because of Adam's sin, that sinful DNA has been passed on to all of us, all human beings, because Adam was the first. He sinned, and through his sin came death, and that death spread to all men, because why? All have sinned, everyone. Now, sin is rebellion against God, the smallest little sin. God is holy, and therefore, any sin, the smallest of which we might think is no big deal. God must deal with. So sin forfeits my life 
in Christ, my life in God. I don't have that apart from a relationship with him. I forfeit that, okay? And so in Leviticus, there's an economy of God that says this. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And so because death happens, the connotation is the loss of blood or the life that, that dies, the, the, life, the person who dies, it's typically there's blood involved. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Therefore, uh, the giving of life to us sinners must be, if I've lost that, it must be in that same economy. A death caused by the shedding of that which is the life of the flesh, in this case, blood. So, we are separated from God. We're apart from His life. That separation from God can only be removed by a sacrifice in which the victim and the offerer identified with us. Christ the Son, the Son of Man, becomes uh, comes and identifies with us in our humanity. You understand that Christ could not be our Savior if he did not come and die on a cross. That he could not be the Savior of the world if he stayed in heaven. Why? Because he had to come to identify with us. He had to be human like us, and he had to die for us. Now, th think of this. Jesus had no sins of his own to die for. People can say, well, I don't believe Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Well, first of all, he said that he did. But secondly, if he never sinned in word or thought or deed, then whose sins did he die for? Understand his death was voluntary. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. By the way, we sang that song. The very first song, the very first sentence was that scripture. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Okay? In his sacrifice, Jesus took on God's judgment because of my sin. So I am identified with him now in his death and in his resurrection and in his life now. And I have eternal fellowship with God to look forward to. So get that. We live in a society that wants to believe multiple things about multiple things. And that's okay. And our society wants to believe there are multiple ways. If there is a heaven, there can't be just one way to get there. But if you understand the economy of God, the life of the animal is in the blood. In the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice animals, bulls, goats, rams, because something innocent, that, that blood had to be shed and applied so that men and women could be forgiven. That's God's economy. And all of that was a picture of Jesus who would one day come and die on a cross and shed his blood, although innocent, would die the death of the guilty and raise from the dead. All right? Now, there's another word 
for life as well. It's bios or bios, right? Biology, we get that. It's life, life-giving, life, lifetime. Um, so given that we have life with Christ, that should affect how we live our life. Um, it's used of a period of time or duration of life. 1 Peter 4.3, it's used of the time past of our life. For example, Peter says, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality, lust, feasting, drunkenness, and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Uh, you know, in your, in your past life, you, you, as now that you are alive in Christ, that should be past tense. 2 Timothy 2.4 says this, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, right? Soldiers don't want to live civilian lives. They want to live lives of soldiers. And so Paul told Timothy, don't get all caught up in, in affairs that don't matter. He says, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them, 2 Timothy 2.4. So it means a duration of time or a time pass, but it also means a manner of life in regard to our conduct. 1 John 2.16 says, For the world offers only craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they're from this world, a manner of life. So bios not only means a period of life, but it also means a way of life. And John says, you know, that we should be past those things. And so, so here's the key scripture again, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Christ is our life. It says, and I'll read it in a couple of different versions. If then you were raised up with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay? If then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things which are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's that identification. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Okay. If then you were raised with Christ. And so he wants to begin by, by focusing on some practical Christian living. And, and because Christ is our life, then this is how we should live that out. That the, the Christianity has to work in my life. I didn't say I always figured things. I, I got everything figured out. I, I understand everything. I mean, if you understand everything about God, wouldn't that make you God? You know, that's what man does. Man builds a religious system that they can understand, that, that fits their ego or it fits their lust or it fits their pride or whatever it is. That's man-made. Um, and so practical Christian living is built on the foundation of theological truth. Practical Christian living is built on the foundation of theological truth, and that comes from the Word of God. Because we know that Jesus is really raised from the dead, 
then our identification with him becomes real. See, I, I should be living heavenly-minded, and I should be consider myself a citizen of heaven because Jesus is in heaven. And he says, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. We're raised with Christ, so therefore we should seek the things which are above. How do you do that? It's almost as if the, the Holy Spirit is wanting us to lift our eyes. Because the world is so, our, our, the things around us are so in, encompassing, and they, and they can choke us out. Remember Jesus in the parables talked about the, the, <clears throat> the seed that fell among the, the thorns, and it sprouted quickly, then it just got choked out. You know, if you've got, if you don't have, like, landscape yard and you got, like, dirt anywhere, you, you know, you know, because you've probably already been out there. Weeds are all, oh, then that last rain, man, just plant, just watered all the weeds. And weeds, I, I told my boys every day we got to pull weeds from now till who knows when. <laughs> don't let a day go by. We're not pulling something. And I want to see the pile, too. You know what? I told my boys, you know what? Here, Alexis, too. Hey, we'll pay you. That's how serious this is. We'll pay you to pull weeds. We will. And we ain't joking now. Now we're getting out the change. But it chokes out our life. And, boy, we have to keep seeking the things above. Lift, lift, up, your, lift up your heads. Focus on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Raised with Christ. Seated at the right hand of God. Psalm 110. You could write that down if you like to. This phrase, particularly in its allusion to Psalm 110, focuses attention on the sovereign rule which Christ now exercises the command to aspire to the things of heaven is a command to meditate and dwell upon Christ's sort of life and on the fact that he is now enthroned as the Lord of the world, right, says. Set your mind on things above. <clears throat> we live this Christian life by focusing on the things that are above, not on the things that are before us. Realizing that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. And since Jesus is enthroned in heaven. Their thoughts and hearts are to be connected uh, to heaven also. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The promise of the return of Jesus. The promise of the return of Jesus is not only that, he, that we will see his glory, but we'll also appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. You know, Paul, the apostle, wrote somewhere else, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ is life. You know, I told my son, uh, we went to a, a basketball game. Blake, Blake and I went to a basketball game. Centennial High School in Shadow Ridge. Sorry. It wasn't Arborview. It was Centennial in Shadow Ridge. I don't know. Is Arborview playing? Are they? Are they playing? Do we know? Anyway. And I said, you know what? Richie, I said, look, uh, Blake, I said, look around you. Look at, look at, see these kids out here? I go, basketball is their life. And you know what? Today, sports have progressed. It can be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be. Sports have progressed so much now that if you don't start early, unless you're super-duper talented, 
you're going to get passed over. You know, I didn't play basketball until my freshman year in high school, but that was 100 years ago. If you do that now, you better be Michael Jordan because, you know what, everybody's way ahead of you. It becomes their life. What's your life? What's the source of all your life? What is it that could be said about you? Music is your life. Sports is your life. Jesus is your life. John said it this way. John, John, you you read uh, John 15 earlier? Did you start in verse 1? You didn't start in verse 1, did you? Yeah, yeah, you started first. Okay. I was going to say, that's a confirmation. 18, okay, good. Look at John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear, what does your Bible say? More fruit. Sometimes things have to be trimmed that they would produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears what? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Then in verse 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be may be made. What does your translation say? Full. Okay? So the key to fullness is abiding in Christ. What does that mean? Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Just to mention being in God's word. What else? What does it mean to abide in Christ? To think heavenly to choose to live heavenly, to trust him, to seek his guidance. This is kind of a crude illustration, but this is sort of what I thought about when it means Christ who is my life. Like this is me right here before Christ. Living life. Was I happy? Sort of. Did I know something was missing? Yep. Did I know what that was? Nope. Was I getting by? Sure. Was I kicked to the curb? Well, in some aspects, yes. Others, no. But I was lifeless in the sense of zoe. 
He who has the Son has life, and that life more abundant. Okay, I didn't have abundant life because it's not a measure of whether you're working, whether you have a nice car, whether you have good friends, whether you have the girl that you believe you should. That's the, that's, that does, you know, because people believe all of those things will bring Zoe. And from what I read, it doesn't. Because you look at people and you go, man, you have all that? Why would you do that? What's wrong with you? Alex Rodriguez, are you kidding me? Did you really have to use steroids? And then lie about it, like constantly? I'm not hating on the man. Don't know him. I'm just saying, how much do you need to get better than being one of the best baseball players ever? Because what? Lance Armstrong, not hating on him either. Don't know the man. Don't know about his relationship with the Lord. But did you really have to cheat to win all six of those? And maybe you did, and maybe everybody else was. But did you have to lie about it the way you did? Because what? Kobe Bryant once said, you know what? One championship ain't enough for me. That's what he said. Maybe six aren't enough. He'll probably come back. I'm not hating on him. I'm just saying. How much life that Christ gives brings a certain satisfaction where you're content with your lot. And we're all continuing to grow in that and learning. No one's got that, got, got, got that all figured out. But this was my life. It was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was separate from him. Therefore, I did not have Zoe. I had bios, I had life, but I didn't have God's life. And so, I kind of liken it to this, is, is, is God the Spirit draws you in, and then Christ comes in you, and now all of a sudden, that inanimate object that was a living object has life now. Christ in me. The hope of my glory. I can do all things through Christ who infuses inner strength in me. It's not something that I can do on my own because he says, apart from me, you could do what? You could just lay on a table right there. <laughs> but he comes in me and he causes me both to will in my mind, in my heart, and to do his good pleasure. Christ in me is the hope of my glory, not me in Christ. I can do all things through him who infuses inner, inner strength in me. That's what that word means in Philippians. Because, because I'm, I'm trying really, really hard, my strength is limited. I can make it a little. I can fake it till I make it, but it's eventually, I'm not going to go be able to go further than that. So I need the divine life of Christ flowing through me. Christ in me. <clears throat> Christ, my life. Now, the life of God manifested in Jesus. through the power of the Holy Spirit working through me. The life of God manifested in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. Okay. I get it now. I get it now. Christ 
who is my life. Christ, who is the source of all life. Christ, the Bible says, nothing came into being without him. All things were created through him, and without him, nothing was created. The very life of God flowing through me. Now I have Zoe. Now I have Zoe. I didn't have it before. I wasn't an unhappy guy, but I didn't have Zoe. I didn't know what that was. God's love. Manifested in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit living on through me. So, you know what? Let that strengthen and comfort you tonight. You cannot do it on your own anyway, because neither could Jesus. But if Christ is living through me, by his Spirit, I will be able. I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I rely on him, not on my own strength. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, you are our hope. You are our joy. You are our life. We pray for a daily realization of what it means to be in you. And next week, Lord, as we look at eternal life, what does that mean? Sometimes you use that word life to speak about right now. Sometimes you use it to speak about us prior to knowing you where we did not have life. And sometimes you use it to speak about a life to come. And so, God, you've already seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now help us to walk like that and to act like that. In your strength, not in our own strength, not in our own self-confidence, but in our God-confidence. Apart from you, we can't even serve you. So we rely on you even for that. And we thank you that you made it that way because we sure would take the credit if we could. We take no credit. We are saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves. It's a free gift. So no man should boast. We love you, Lord. Give us strength for today. We have hope for tomorrow that you'll meet us again and you'll strengthen us. For without you, we can't do it. And we confess that. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.